Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Early edition today. We're here with you just one hour from 8 until 9 with the phone lines open, 356-9397. Early Illinois basketball for you today. Game will tip off at the State Farm Center in Champaign shortly after 11 o'clock against the Ohio State Buckeyes, a battle of uh, teams in or near the uh, top 20, depending on which poll you look at. We're going to talk about that ball game. Take your phone calls as well. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll visit with Illini volleyball coach Chris Thomas. His team's season begins a week from today. Mr. Tate, how you doing this morning? Well, I'm just happy we got a game today. We lost one this week, and, you know, back in – Back in the business. Lost a game last week at home and then lost a game off the schedule, or at least off the schedule temporarily. Uh, the game at Nebraska will have to be hopefully rescheduled. But let's talk about uh, this ball game. We'll bring in uh, our friend Paul Keels, the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Good morning, Paul. How are you, sir? Good morning, guys. I'm doing good. You're the busiest man in show business, aren't you? <laughs> It's been a little busy, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, when you when you get all the way to the national title game in football, that uh, you're okay with that kind of busy, aren't you? Yeah, it, it just you know in this strange year of the way strange things have played out, it was kind of crazy. But I'm fortunate they got to got to be able to play as many games as they did. Got to the Big Ten championship game and got those other two postseason games. So disappointing in the result, but uh, amazing that they pulled things together and completed the season the way they did. We'll talk more about that coming up, but uh, let's first talk about uh, this basketball game. And the Buckeyes uh, seem to be playing pretty well lately. Tell us about this team. Maybe that uh, we we feel like we haven't seen them that much, having played them only one time the last few seasons, and uh, you guys haven't been here in a while. But uh, tell us about uh, this team, E.J. Liddell, having a good year. Yeah, it'll be uh, the first time in over four years that Ohio State's played in Champaign, uh, a lot of that because of, one uh, home game for Illinois a couple of years ago that was played in Chicago. But uh, it's a team that really has had to carve out a new identity being without the Wesson brothers. Um, but I think what we've seen is a team that can play with some good offensive ballast. They've, they've integrated some new pieces in. Uh, right now dealing with uh, losing two point guards to injury and technically three when you consider a young man that was ruled out medically before the season started. But yeah, EJ Liddell having a fantastic year. Uh, we're seeing Dwayne Washington continue to grow as a player and, and other guys that are just kind of coming along and learning their roles, playing in different roles, some of them. And and it's been a, a growth process for this team, uh, really, from the start of practice to now. 
Well, Paul, this is Lauren. I, I just, uh, what if you were going to make a scouting report about uh, Ohio State, how would you go about uh, filling it out? How would you fill out, a, a, you know, evaluate, how would you stop Ohio State, for example, defensively? What, what are the, how would you go about that? Well, one of the things that they've had issues with, and especially had it against Minnesota, is they're not a very tall team. So size gives them problems. The seven-footer at Minnesota, Liam Robbins, really made it difficult on them. Uh, they're a team that, you know, now because of the situation with being down two-point guards, you would think they'd be a team you could put some pressure on, although they mm. handled it very well against Northwestern the other night, Lauren. Um, and, but they're a team that doesn't, they don't shoot the three-pointer consistently like they did a year ago. So those are kind of the things that you would imagine that an opposing team would look at in the areas that, that you could try and exploit Ohio State. By the way, uh, since you're a natural rival of Michigan, how do you explain what they've done? This is a an amazing resurgence, isn't it, uh, by the by the Wolverines? It really is, and especially when you consider the fact that they're doing it with new players themselves. Uh, and I haven't had a chance to watch it. Haven't had a chance to watch them a lot yet, but I know the young man Dickinson has been phenomenal. Uh, you know, you think losing a point guard like Xavier Simpson, but still getting the kind of contributions they're getting. In the backcourt, it, it, I, I'm anxious to get a chance to watch them a little more. Uh, but it, you know, Jawan Howard in his second year there, they've they've really done a remarkable job to be playing at the level that they are. You know, they bring in young guys like Wagner, and and I didn't think he was going to be that good this quick. And here he is, a sophomore. He's just playing at all star level. You mentioned Dickinson. It, it's uh, you know, I I thought that Livers returning would make a big difference, and he is a key player. But he's just another guy on a team that's just extremely balanced, I think. Uh, I think that's the key, Lauren. They're balanced, uh, and they're playing with a lot of confidence, too. So, uh, you know, in a conference now where you're seeing such great play from big men, you know, and seeing Dickinson doing the things that he's doing as a young player, uh, that's really something I think that has done well for them. And, and uh, the fact that, you know, now I think with Coach Howard being in his second year there, players being accustomed to what he expects and him being more familiar with his staff of what they've got with their players on that court. I think that's really been part of, of why they've taken this big step. Visiting with Paul Keels, the radio voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes. You mentioned Ohio State having some trouble with big guys. So with that said, how do they, how do you think they're going to try to attack Kofi Coburn? Well, you know, Steve, I think probably the the goal would be to, you know, try and move him away from the basket a little bit. But, you know, Kofi seems to do a pretty good job wherever he is on the court. Uh, you know, he's just so athletic. But, you know, that's where what E.J. Liddell and Kyle Young have done has been so impressive this year. They've, they've been really good at being able to get to their spots, uh, to be able to, you know, do the work that players have to do before the ball gets to the guy they're guarding, to be able to keep them away from their favorite spots and, and, and get in a position to rebound. So that's the thing that's really been most impressive about what Ohio State's done. Now, it's a different animal when you're going up against a guy like, excuse me, like a Kofi Coburn or a Luca Garza. And, and again, that's you know where they had trouble with Robbins against Minnesota. Uh, but you know, in the other part of it too, just becomes trying to avoid uh, getting into foul trouble with that. But if, if you remember, Ohio State did a really good job against Kofi last year in the game they won in Columbus. Uh, but that was also a point in time where Ohio State was playing some of their best basketball of the year. Let's, uh, By t- speaking of that, playing their best basketball, Illinois caught Rutgers when we thought they were a contender. <laughs> and now they, what, they lost five games? 
Yes, five games in, in the league. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I, I watched that last night, and and Paul, they, they just aren't the same team that they, you know. When you start losing, sometimes you just get in that free fall, and that's what it looks like to me. Did you see any of that last night? I did not, but I tell you what, Lauren, it's funny you bring that up because Ohio State has beaten Rutgers twice this year already. Uh, beat them in Columbus, where they came from sixteen points down to get a victory, and were able to beat them two weeks after that out in New Jersey and. Uh, it, the thing that really helped Ohio State, and back to your question about Big Men, they really were able to neutralize Miles Johnson. And, and the other part of it, too, is mm-hmm. uh, the game in Columbus. Ron Harper had a great first half, but in the second half, Musa Jallo did an outstanding job defensively on him to really kind of limit him a little bit. But, you know, Rutgers is a team I still think that they're they're going to make a lot of noise in deciding how this conference uh, finishes before the year's over. And well, you know, certainly last year, they were a team that was playing so well, and uh, you know they were going to be in the NCAA tournament and had been played for the first time forever. So, uh, but it is surprising they've run into that three fall. Well, yeah, and you know that in that game is amazing. From 16 minutes down to eight, Wisconsin never scored a field goal <laughs> and still won the game. And Rutgers didn't get out of the four. They went in the last four minutes, and it was clearly uh, Wisconsin's game at that point. But uh, they hadn't gotten out of the 40s yet. I mean, this was a this is a game where both teams just couldn't score down that stretch of the second half. But that's the way it well, goes. What, you know, it comes that, and goes. That's what Wisconsin does to people. That's what yep. Wisconsin does to people. Yep, and, that's true. Uh, you you kind of have to be careful that you don't fall into their trap when you're playing. Let's talk a little football. Your friend Urban Meyer, certainly in the news lately. What do you think about uh, his transition uh, to the NFL? You think it's a good move for him? Well, I, I don't know, Steve. And, uh, you know, everybody kept asking, what do you think? And, and my comment was I wasn't going to believe it until it actually did happen um, because he's you know not been in professional football, and I'm sure that's part of the intriguing part about it. I know that he and his wife still have uh, a great affinity for the state of Florida. They've maintained a home there uh, ever since he stopped coaching the Gators. Um, but I, I you know the, the thing that the question that comes up in my mind that the health issues were real, having had a chance to be around him. To, his time here in Columbus and seeing his last season here, what he went through, that, that was a real situation. You know, there, I think everybody was aware of the one game against Indiana where during the, side, the last few minutes of the game on the sideline, he went to his knee because of the pain he had in his head from the cyst that he has. Uh, you know, there was a situation at Penn State at the end of a game where uh, he was pretty much uh, laid flat in the locker room after the game because of that. So, uh, that's going to be the thing to monitor, what happens with the uh, stress level and all of that. But, um, and he seemed to really be fitting in well with what he was doing with Fox. And, um, you know, I really have not had a chance to talk to him much since he stopped coaching, maybe once or twice. But uh, it seemed that he was in a good place with his life not coaching. Uh, but I think that's what happens with some of those folks that are used to that. The competitive edge gets them, the challenge of something new, uh, the challenge of going to a, a team that's been struggling. So, be curious to see what happens, but you know there seemed to be so much talk about it, and again, I wasn't going to believe it until it actually did happen. Let's take a call for Paul Keels. Steve calling from Princeton, Illinois. Go ahead, Steve. You're on the air. Yes, I got a question. You were talking about Michigan and uh, their basketball team, and they lost Xavier Simpson. Well, I watched the Wisconsin game the other night, and Wisconsin was never in that game, but they had a point guard his fifth year, a transfer from the Ivy League, Columbia. And he was the difference in that game. Not Dickinson, not uh, Levers, these other guys. 
it was that point guard Smith, and he he just destroyed Wisconsin. So if you got point guard play, I think it can go a long ways, and that's why Michigan's ticking. You know, and that was something that in watching a little bit that I've seen so far of them, uh, Xavier Simpson was going to be a big hole for them to fill with everything he had done for all of the years that he had been there. So um, yet Smith has done a great job of fitting in there, and I think that's what we're seeing all around college basketball. The way that these transfers and the graduate transfers in Ohio State has benefited of, you know, with Seth Towns, who came from Harvard, with Jimmy Sotos, who came from Bucknell, even though Jimmy is hurt and out of action right now. Uh, but it's really allowed teams to fill a specific need and be able to elevate what their team is doing. And obviously, Smith has done that for Michigan. You know, uh, Paul, the, the league is not overwhelmed with point guards. I mean, there, there are a few good ones, but this is, a, this is the best league in the country. And yet, the point guards aren't just dominant like they were before, number one. Number two, out of the top 30 guys likely to go in, in the first round, we're seeing all the mock drafts. Only Io might be, I don't say he'll be the only uh, Big Ten player to go in the first round, but right now he, he's the only one listed. I mean, how do, you, uh, how do you evaluate one thing against the other? So many good teams, and yet they're not recognized necessarily by the scouts of the NBA. Well, I, that's surprising to hear that, Lauren, because I think when you look at guys like when Marcus Carr is doing in Minnesota, yeah. you know, he's a game-changing mm-hmm. type of player. I think you look at a number of those players at Iowa, you know, from Garza to Wieskamp, you know, getting Bohannon back is such a big thing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, C.J. Frederick's a player I think is going to continue to grow and, and, and be an influencing player. Uh, certainly the, the folks you're looking at, not only just Iowa there in Illinois, but you know, Trent Frazier is a guy that's always been impressive, especially how hard he plays all the time. Obviously, Kofi Coburn. Uh, and, I, and I think that you're looking, too, at the fact that you don't know for sure, but I think the pandemic certainly affected a lot of decisions for some of these young men to come back and play this year. I, you know, I know that uh, there was a thought that Iowa probably was not going to be coming back if it had not been for the pandemic. I think that the same was the case with Luca Garza. Uh, and maybe with some others, uh, you know, we talked about Rutgers, look up and down that roster, but what some of those young men can do, you know, Ron Harper is certainly an incredible player. I think that if he had not been hurt, Geo Baker probably is more of a, uh, a splashy type of player as far as statistics and everything that you've seen. And Montez Mathis is a guy that, that can get hot and really make some things happen. So that, that's surprising to hear you say that about how the pros look at it, because I think that the thing that this league, everybody's identifying the Big Ten right now with big men, and understandably so, uh, but certainly you've got a lot of other players that can have such a, a big influence uh, on how these teams play and, and how they affect their opponents. Well, part of it, I'll tell you what part of it is, is, is that the scouts don't care about anybody who's beyond a sophomore. <laughs> they just, they're always on the come with freshmen. If you look at the mock draft, about out of the first 20 players – there's like one junior or two, a butler from uh, from Baylor might be the other junior with Io, but it's a whole bunch of freshmen, you know, because they like to bet on the come. And uh, it is a good freshman class, but interestingly enough, uh, the Big Ten is more of a veteran league and not a freshman one-and-done league. Uh, that's just And I think, and Lauren, I think that's what hopefully is going to be something that will help one of these Big Ten teams, whether it's Iowa, whether it's Illinois, whoever, to be able to make some noise deep into the NCAA tournament. You know, seeing guys that have played not only the individuals with the, all of those years, but teams with guys that play together. And that's I think, what makes Illinois so dangerous. Combined, now, you know, Frazier and Kofi and Iowa. 
Another minute or two with Paul Keels, the voice of the Buckeyes. Let's go back to the beginning of football season when it was announced that uh, the Big Ten would play a schedule that started in late October. Ohio State, I think, was one of the first uh, uh, schools to announce that uh, you would do the broadcasts remotely for away games. We ended up doing that for most of the season. We did go to Wisconsin, but uh, how did that work for you? And uh, it's something that we all had to adapt to, but uh, did that, uh, that process get a little better as the season went along? It was a challenge, Steve, and it was a decision that was made by the company that owns our radio station. Okay. Uh, they, they, they curtailed all business travel for everybody for any reason. So there was some consistency across the board with it. It was a challenge. The first game we did was uh, at Penn State, and, and we had very poor video quality. Uh, at times, you couldn't even tell who had the football. It got a little bit better. Um, we were very fortunate that, that our producer, Skip Mossick, worked very hard with the people at Ohio State's video production uh, arm, and they they were able to to do some things that really helped it get better. But it was still a challenge. Basketball's not been as big a challenge as football has been. Um, and uh, we we were disappointed that an exception wasn't made for the national championship game. But we understood why. You know, there's a thought about health and safety, and uh, and, and that's fine. I, I can tell you, and you guys can relate to it. Uh, you don't miss the traveling part of it. That that's the the part right. that some people think is glamorous, but it's really not. But yeah, it, it was a it was a challenging process. We had to work through it, and we continue to work through it because we're not traveling for basketball this year. Um, but you know, it's but I think everybody understands the reason why. It's for health and safety, and uh, you know, I think teams certainly have changed how they travel as well too. So it's just one of those things in a in a year, you know, where everybody's had to adjust to different things. It's what we've had to do. Hey, Paul, we appreciate your time. Have a good broadcast today on the Ohio State uh, Basketball Network. Always good to talk to you. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Paul. Paul Keels, the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, with us at 8-17. That game last night, number 9, Wisconsin, wins at Rutgers 60-54. to Today it's Ohio State at Illinois at 11. Number 7, Michigan plays at number 23, Minnesota, at 1 o'clock. Who do you like there? Well, the way Michigan's playing, it's hard to go against them, isn't it? It is. The Nebraska-Maryland game was postponed. Tomorrow, the Indiana-Michigan State game is postponed. Purdue plays against Penn State over in West Lafayette. By the way, before you get off Indiana, Archie Miller's getting a lot of criticism over there, isn't he? Purdue's. When you've you've lost eight, he's lost six straight to Purdue. They've lost eight straight overall. And 11 out of 12, and that's just stunning to think that Indiana can't. That's like Ohio State-Michigan football. you gotta, you got to win some of those games. Oh, yeah. If you're the other side of that. And then Iowa plays at Northwestern tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. That's the Big Ten schedule coming up. Some other uh, activity, uh, the Illinois men's and gym, uh, women's gymnastics teams opened uh, the season. The women win at Nebraska. They'll play at Rutgers uh, or perform at Rutgers. I guess that's mm-hmm. what a gymnast does. Mm-hmm. Uh, a week from today, the men's gymnastics team won a virtual gymnastics meet. I don't know if it's the first one ever, but it's the first one here uh, against Northern Illinois. They competed in DeKalb. Illinois competed at Kenny Gym, and Illinois won. You, d- you didn't tell me where the officials were. I don't know where they were. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were in uh, Kankakee. <laughs> Uh, the uh, men's and women's track participating in the uh, Madison Icebreaker. 
up there. The uh, swimming and diving team was uh, scheduled to be in action yesterday as well. Coming up tomorrow, wrestling at the State Farm Center against the Wisconsin and Ohio State. We'll take a break, and the phone line is open for the next few minutes. If you'd like to join us, we're on early today because of the early basketball game. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and we're back after this. Join us later this morning after Saturday Sports Talk at 9 o'clock. Illini Game Day with Scott Beatty. At 11 o'clock, it'll be Illinois and Ohio State. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 9 o'clock, 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to jump in here and join us. I was watching some golf yesterday, the Sony Open out in Hawaii. How did Hardy finish up yesterday? I, he birdied his last four holes. Oh, terrific. He's, he, he made the cut then. Oh, well, yeah. He's eight under par and four shots out of the lead, I believe. Well, if he if he's eight under, he, he shot seven under yesterday. He then, shot 63 I, yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's par 70. Yeah, that's... Well, that's terrific. You know, he, he was a Monday qualifier. Monday qualifier, and I, I saw, I followed him the first day when he was one under, and then I only got through six holes with him yesterday, and uh, I saw where he was still even at that point. So, Steve, if he shot seven under, he played the last, oh, man, the last 12 holes, he was red hot. Yeah, he birdied the last four and uh, certainly made the cut. That's a good story to kind of watch over the weekend. Uh, Nick Hardy, former Illini Golfer, one of several out there trying to make a living and, and doing so yeah. on the PGA Tour and the uh, Corn Ferry Tour as well. One other kind of golf-related notice as it pertains to, to you and I, uh, we lost a, a good friend this week in Everett Kruger and the folks that uh, play golf at uh, Savoy National certainly know. Uh, Was he the best golfer out there 75 and over? Was he the best or were there others that were as good as him? Well, I'd say he was the best at 75 and over, and uh, he won the uh, senior championship a time or two. He won the um, super senior championship a year or two before the year that I won it, and he was obviously a little bit. That was 2015 when I won it, so so he's won a couple of those. But just a, a, a great guy to be around. Yeah, he's just terrific on the he He, he had a great, uh, great sense of humor. He had a great... Uh, ability to, to play and keep everybody else in a good humor you know he didn't he wasn't so stuck on his game that he didn't pay attention to what you were doing right and he was pretty much automatic off the tee right down the middle oh yeah yeah and good player a, but great chipper and putter but more importantly a good guy to to be around we'll certainly miss him he passed away this week at the age of 81 his services are being held this morning so our thoughts uh, go out to the uh, Kruger family this morning here. And let's uh, move on to um, let's talk a little more about this basketball game coming up. We're going to talk some women's volleyball with Chris Thomas in a moment as well. By the way, the phone line is open, 356-9397. Illinois, because of the home court advantage, I guess if there is one, is about a six-point favorite in this ball game over the Buckeyes. But, Lord, Ohio State is just a game back behind Illinois. Illinois is 5-2, and two, Ohio State 4-3, and three, and whoever loses this game kind of slides back Falls to the middle back of the pack. in the middle, yeah. So yeah. what do you expect to, to see over there? I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, it's a game I'm concerned about fouls because when you look back on the losses that Illinois had against Missouri in particular and Rutgers in particular where you give up 30-some free throws to the other team, you're not going to have much luck in those situations, and and uh, 
Illinois has really cut down on the fouls in the last five games or so. And uh, I, I think that the reason I bring it up is because Ohio State seems to be about as good at drawing fouls as anybody in the Big Ten. I mean, they, they do that uh, extremely well. They hit the offensive board hard, and that's a, a situation where you, if you even get an offensive rebound, you're liable to get a foul there. And, and they do try to penetrate, and they have more than one guy that does that. Now, they have lost Walker. Apparently, we don't think Walker's going to play, and uh, he, is, he would be their point guard if he could. So, I, I, Illinois got a, you know, Illinois should be favored in the game because Kofi he doesn't have a anybody that can really stop him if they can get the ball deep in there. But uh, you, you know, uh, Illinois showed in the Maryland game that they have shortcomings, and and uh, we know that, and uh, they just got to cover up the things that they can't do, and and do the things they can do. Speaking of guards playing or not playing, we do expect uh, Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams to both play today. Well, yeah, based on the fact that they practiced yesterday they got and, back to and practice the fact and that uh, Underwood said that they would be playing. I mean, I, I, will they both start? I don't know about starting, but I I would think that, uh, yeah, I think they're going to play. And both, by the way, both finished the, the Maryland game. That's a week ago. Right. But they didn't finish <laughs> – Trent didn't finish very strongly, but he was, no, but he was I mean, definitely hurting. He was but, back on the court after yeah. he got hurt, is what I yeah, mean. Yeah, that's right. Let's go back to the phones real quick. Steve in Whiteheath. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, Steve and Lauren. Have either one of you seen the Big Ten documentary on Michigan State football in 1965 and 66 done by Jack Everly you had on the radio two weeks ago? I have not. Tell me about it. Well, it's enlightening because it talks about how Bubba Smith, George Webster, Clint Jones, and Gene Washington all came from the South, Texas, South Carolina, to play for Michigan State. They couldn't play in the South at Alabama, Texas, and Clemson. They had to go north, and Jack Everly does a beautiful job of saying it'll never happen again, but those four players all were drafted first, second, fourth, and eighth in the NFL off of one team. Yeah, well, they were great players. We recognize all those names, yeah. But they couldn't play in the South, and that's why college athletics has changed because they would have never got those four guys to go to Michigan State in 2021. And then it goes into when Michigan State played Notre Dame in that uh, championship game that ended in a 10-10 tie, and I didn't know until he pointed it out. Notre Dame had one black player on that team, Alan Page. Hmm. No, I've not seen that. Maybe I'll, I'll check that out. But, I mean, that's what I think Illinois and Brett Bielen was going up against now because guys that he could have got, uh, you know, J.C. Caroline, he never would have left South Carolina in 2021. Now, he just stayed down there and played somewhere. But he came to Illinois because he couldn't play down there. Good stuff, Steve. Thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. As we uh, move towards the bottom of the hour, we'll take our – Bottom of the hour timeout and be back with more after this on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. Join us for the next Fighting Illini Coaches Show featuring Brad Underwood Monday night, 7 to 8, right here on DWS and Light Rock 97.5. 831, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 9 today, early edition of the show with the um, Illinois-Ohio State basketball game at the State Farm Center tipping off shortly after 11 o'clock on a game day. Pre-game coverage begins right after us at 9 o'clock. The Illinois volleyball season begins 
a week, uh, well, actually a week from yesterday, but a week from this weekend, Friday and Saturday, the Illini volleyball team will be in Iowa City to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. And fourth-year head coach Chris Thomas is with us on the phone this morning. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well, hanging in there. I know you're ready <laughs> to play some uh, <laughs> yes. some volleyball after everything that uh, has gone on in the last few months. Uh, talk, let's start with the schedule and the way the Big Ten has the schedule set up where you're playing back-to-back dates with teams uh, throughout the season, throughout the Big Ten season. Do you like that? Yeah, you know, we just, with everything going on, it just made the most sense. You know, try to limit travel in between games. You know, normally we would play – 7 p.m. on a Friday and then hop on a plane or hop on a bus, you know, travel for a few hours during the night, get to another hotel, go, you know, do the whole thing again against another team a couple cities away. So I think it just made more sense from a safety standpoint. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like the concept of it in general, though, that you get to you make the adjustment within one game and see if you can make those adjustments. So from a gamesmanship perspective, uh, I, I appreciate it. Obviously, from a safety perspective, I, I appreciate it as well. Well, talk a little bit about uh, your team, what you expect from uh, your team as the season uh, draws nearer. Well, uh, you know, it, we needed the time because we're uh, you're going to see a lot of new faces out there. And, uh, you know, we're returning some players, uh, Kennedy Collins, Diana Brown, uh, Taylor Cooper, Megan Cooney. Uh, but, you know, we have to replace five starters from, from the previous year, and those five starters have been with us for uh, since I had been here. So, uh, just uh, one of those things that's part of the program, and, and uh, we're just hitting that phase where we're kind of turning over a new leaf. And uh, it's a great group, though. They're they're young, they're feisty, they're competitive. I uh, really enjoy coaching them every day, and they they really understand the value of, of uh, being great teammates. So it's really good to see that as well. Uh, Coach, this is Lauren. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about the Big Ten and, and how strong the league seems to be once again. I mean, this has been something that's been going about – seems to me about 15 years where they just kind of took over not necessarily the national championship from the from the west coast but in terms of depth uh, is is it fair to say that the that we have more depth in this league than they have out west I I would say that's fair to say I think the Pac-12 is on similar uh on similar ground as us but we're we've been placing seven or eight teams in the tournament every year uh six five or six have been making the sweet 16 uh, I think over the last five years, we've had two teams in the final four. So, you know, that doesn't speak to the depth that we have and the quality of depth that we have. I don't know what does. And uh, it's just a part of being in this conference and wouldn't have any, any other way. Tell us, uh, who who's uh, this, uh, for example, who will be your setter? Who will be your, uh, have, have you settled on these things yet? Or, or is there still competition for positions? Uh, it is still competition for positions. I mean, like I said, this is probably one of the more uh, uh, you know competitive teams that I've had. We we play a lot in practice. Um, they get a chance to prove themselves every day, and depending on on what day it is, one player shines. And um, but that's what happens when you're playing uh, yourselves every single day. And uh, so we we still got a lot of positions up for grab right now. How difficult has it been, Chris, to uh, to keep the girls' heads up, so to speak, and and, and with all the uncertainty of the last seven or eight months? Uh, a little bit. I mean, we're we're ready to play. I'll, I'll tell you that much. And, uh, you know, we've been training since, oh, gosh, I think beginning of August, you know, in hopes that we're going to have a season back in the fall. 
um, let him go for a little bit uh, during the fall break. And uh, we came back just before Christmas and started training since right before Christmas up until now. Um, but they, they do enjoy training. They, they do enjoy to work hard. And uh, it's, it hasn't been uh, too difficult. But, uh, you know, it's nice that we have some light at the end of the tunnel here and we get a, uh, our, our first match here hopefully next week. What, what are your rules in terms of uh, masks and that sort of thing? I mean, and, and practice, are you uh, completely free of masks at all times? Yeah, so we test every morning. Uh, we both take the, the nasal swab and the saliva test. Uh, and so I think we're the most tested group, uh, you know, out there. And so uh, with that being said, you know, we do not have masks while we're playing on the court. And uh, But if we're traveling around, going from location to location, we'll, we will be wearing masks. So how quickly do you get those, do you get those back immediately, those uh, test results? Yeah, I think we, we have uh, – we test – at 8 a.m. every morning, and we practice by 9.30, so we have the results in before uh, first practice. Is anyone going to be able to attend any of the home matches, I mean family or anything of that nature? Uh, as of right now, the answer is no, uh, but hopefully if things continue to improve towards the end of the season, we can get some people on the stand. Is your, you mentioned the competition still going on uh, four positions. Is your, is your team relatively healthy? Yeah, they are. Uh, you know, it's when you have this time to train, you're able to space some things out. Um, obviously, you're always going to have your bumps and bruises. Uh, but for the most part, everyone's doing pretty good and, uh, and, and ready to go for next week. Uh, can you tell us uh, if, if there will be any opportunities to see the team on TV? Have, have you uh, any, anything of that nature? Yeah, so I know there's um, – I don't know exactly the games off the top of my head, but I believe we're on BTN, uh, the main network, four or five times this year. Um, with, I believe, the first opportunity against uh, Wisconsin or Northwestern. Again, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I also know that uh, BTN does a phenomenal job of, of at least streaming all the games that they can. So on BTN Plus, uh, we'll be able to live stream the games to, to the general public. On the schedule, all the uh, match times are to be determined, but do you know the start times of the, uh, the Iowa matches next week yet? <clears throat> yes, I believe the start time of the Iowa match on um, Friday is at 3.30, uh, and then on Saturday it's noon. Very good, Chris. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Good to talk to you. We'll talk to you again certainly a time or two as the season moves along, but good luck and uh, have a good weekend. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, and uh, good to be back. You bet. Chris Thomas, the Illinois volleyball coach. They start next Friday afternoon and then play again Saturday afternoon in Iowa City against the Iowa Hawkeyes. 8.38 is the time. If you've been by the Pella Window Store lately, you know they've got a lot of exciting things going on. Their showroom is located at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. They've served area residents and homeowners throughout the state of Illinois and certainly in central Illinois for a long time now. And they want to help you find the perfect window or door, whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, Stop by the showroom and see the products in person and discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of between-the-glass blinds, or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella is rated number one by Champaign homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. And the Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best in each unique situation. So working with the folks there at Illini Pella is an easy process 
and uh, they'll be there to help you along the way from the shopping part to the installation process as well. Visit the uh, showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive to get started or give them a call 356-6474. Stop by and see them at the showroom. Their hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Check them out online too, PellaOfChampagne.com for Illini Pella windows and doors. 8.39, a break, and we're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open the rest of the way, 356-9397. We're here until 9, fighting Illini game day at 9. Illinois basketball comes your way at 11 o'clock against the Ohio State Buckeyes over at the State Farm Center. Too bad we can't have a big crowd there today to to watch an early Saturday home game, but uh, that's the way things go. But it's a big game for fighting a lot of it really is and I was thinking the same thing about volleyball and how what a good sport it is uh, from a spectator standpoint and the good crowds that Illinois had at Huff uh, just won't be able to do that this year that's too bad uh, you would think at least with the spaciousness of these arenas and of course the Huff isn't what you would call spacious but you can certainly get family in there and and, and seat them far enough apart I think that's too bad that the families at least can't go but that's not up to me, is it, Steve? Not that I know of, <laughs> but you're a pretty powerful guy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> we could maybe uh, make you the commissioner of all things. By a quick shout-out to the Hayes family uh-huh. in Monticello. Bill mm-hmm. Hayes passed away at age 91. He was a senior when I was a sophomore at Monticello. He was a senior on our, our basketball team that year. He was an all-around sport athlete and, and uh, played in multiple sports in, in that day and was named, by the way, later – he, was, he had a TV uh, shop. Uh, he was the owner-operator of Bill Hayes TV in Monticello for years, and, and he was Mr. Monticello in 1972. That's going way back, but uh, I knew Bill well, and I just wish his best to the family. Were you ever Mr. Monticello? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think you got to live in Monticello to be Mr. Monticello, I suppose. You not just pass through, huh? No, I— I, you know, it's been a couple of years since I lived in Monticello, like you 70, <laughs> 70 years. You lived in a couple of Monticellos, didn't you? Or? Yeah, I lived in Monticello, Kentucky when I was when I was born. That's where I lived. Yeah. Yeah. I went from Monticello to Hoopston to Monticello. There you go. You can look it up. <laughs> 845-356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to join us. Let's hear from Brad Underwood, kind of a a bit of a scouting report on uh, these Ohio State Buckeyes that uh, the Illini face today. A team that is uh, extremely physical. What they lack in size, they make up with in, uh, in strength and, and, and toughness. Uh, this is a team that last year uh, got 42% of their misses back in our game in, uh, in Columbus. We put them on the foul line uh, a great deal last year. The Washington kid is uh, playing maybe as well offensively as any player in our conference at the wing spot. Uh, nobody talks about how good he is. Hair trigger, great range, playing multiple positions for them. EJ Liddell is having a uh, is having a terrific season, uh, playing kind of a, a small ball five for them, uh, but uh, is very effective. And then I am a huge Kyle Young fan, a guy that just plays with physicality and toughness. So uh, a great challenge, a top twenty team coming in, and and uh, we will have to uh, uh, play very well and and um, expect a, a great challenge. Brad Underwood on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Interesting that he talked about how physical they are. 
and yet not that big. Well, yeah, I think that you can be very physical from a strength standpoint, and and from you know they're they're very aggressive, and uh, I don't think you can you know th- there's nothing you can do to keep them from going on to the board. I mean, they're going to go after the ba- the ball and they're going to try to rebound, and that's just their nature. Uh, um, the A.J. Liddell situation is interesting. I remember when he was a sophomore going down to consecutive games down there, and he scored 77 points in tournament games, in two tournament games. I mean, that's combined, of course. And I, I thought right then, that's the guy Illinois has got to get. And there was a big controversy between Missouri and Illinois to try to get Liddell. You remember the Smith situation mm-hmm. when we got Smith from Edwardsville. And, and uh, of course, he left here and, and left a very sour taste. And, and uh, uh, I think Liddell was uh, basically elected not to – just to, to avoid both of the two situations, Illinois and Missouri. And, went to, and Ohio State was the fortunate one to – to land him, which is it's a good position, it's a good spot for him, and he's a, he's a tremendous player. Although in the last game he didn't get a field goal, which would tell you what <laughs> he'll break out this game because he's averaging 12, 15 points every game. So I mean he he's just a good one and is, is a guy that Illinois really needed for that four position that they've never that they haven't filled the last couple of years. Those high school games you were talking about in, in the state tournament, I also remember him blocking a lot of shots. Oh yeah, and he he does that and he uh, still. At only six seven, he's yeah. very effective in uh, that area as well. Too bad the Nebraska game was postponed because Illinois was anxious to get back on the court and get yeah. uh, get yeah. that sour taste out of their mouth of that loss at home to Maryland. Here's Andre Corbello on that loss. Having a tough loss, Coach was definitely not about it. Should have been a game that we should have won. I guess it wasn't one of our days. We we didn't go out there and compete. And we didn't give it all out. We ain't perfect. Those games are gonna happen. We just gotta be good enough to limit them. I'd rather that happening now than, you know, a little later in the season. It's another good wake-up call. We know it's the Big Ten. Any team can beat any team. So now we just got to come out ready to play and compete. That's Andre Corbello. He's anxious, I'm sure, to get back out and uh, compete again because he didn't have one of his better games. How, how would you explain what they did to uh, limit him? It seemed that uh, they were forcing him, in, in a way, forcing him to shoot. As opposed, you know, staying on their men. Uh, exactly. That's that's it. You answered your own question. They they didn't leave their guy. Mm-hmm. They made him become a shooter because they felt, and rightly so, that he's going to find an open guy mm-hmm. and and hit guys with passes. So that's what that, that was it. I, the way I saw it. Yeah, and I think that's what he recognized when he came back afterwards and and took some of the same shots that he missed after the game when when we're all leaving. He's coming back and. And and uh, trying to get the, you know to practice the things that that uh, didn't turn out so well in the game. He'll, um, Interesting that he would do that. He'll go against one of his good friends, a high school buddy. At least played a couple of years of high school ball with Zed Key, who plays for the Buckeyes. He comes off the bench for Ohio State, a, right. a bigger guy, six eight guy. So we'll have a chance to to visit with him in a limited. Uh, role, but they haven't seen each other in a while, a few months, several months. Did you know uh, we keep saying that, you know, they don't have size. And I'll t- Maryland, if you add up the size of the five players and add up the total uh, size of the Illinois players with Kofi in the game, Maryland was taller, total. 
Well, they so had the one guy whose legs were taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> that skinny seven-footer that was in there. Yeah. But he, my, he actually hit a couple of shots. Yeah, but my, you know, my point is that they've got a lot of guys that can hit the boards. And it isn't just, you know, Illinois kind of depends heavily on Kofi, who gets, who probably get another double-double today. I would think he'll be close to it at least and probably get another one. But that isn't, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that Illinois is going to dominate the rebounds because they've got a lot of guys that can rebound. And they've got a, a lot of good average size, including Liddell. And when you talk about 6'7 and 6'8, that's pretty good size. And those are the kind of guys that can hurt you with a jump shot. Look at the Flying Illini. They were 6'5 and 6'6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and a pretty physical team as well. As you look at the Big Ten standings, Michigan is 6-0, and Iowa 5-1. and Wisconsin, with a win last night, is 5-2, and two, and so is Illinois. Then you've got uh, Ohio State and Purdue at 4-3. and three. Then you're down into a handful of teams at 3-4, and four, Minnesota, Indiana, Northwestern, and Rutgers. Actually, Rutgers is 3-5 and five now after that loss last night. So starting to play out a little bit. Uh, somebody needs to knock off Michigan at some point, and Illinois only gets one chance at the Wolverines in the regular season, and that's up there. Yeah, it's going to be tough catching them now, isn't it? They might still be it's undefeated a long by season, then. though. We've got a long way to go. And like you say, who remembers who won the Big Ten regular season championship, <laughs> right? When it's over, it's forgotten. Yeah. How, there were three teams that tied for the Big Ten championship last year. Right. You know who they are? Wisconsin, Michigan State, and was it Illinois? Who was it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa? Wait, I don't know. Might have been Iowa. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that shows to go, yeah, as they say. Let's talk um, a little Illinois football. The Brett Bielma's staff is almost complete, not quite. If you haven't uh, been keeping up with that, Tony Peterson is the offensive coordinator. Bart Miller, the offensive line coach. Corey Patterson will coach the running backs. And Ben Miller, the tight ends, the receivers coach, is still not filled or at least not announced at this point. Defensively, the coordinator is Ryan Walters. Defensive line is Terrence Jamison. Linebackers, Andy Boo. And defensive backs, actually the cornerbacks, will be Aaron Henry as Ryan Walters will work with the safeties. And uh, special teams, they haven't announced exactly how they'll do that. Uh, There might be a combination of guys working on special teams. But uh, that's interesting the way that defensive backfield is going to be handled because you've got the defensive coordinator going to work directly with the safeties. And, of course, uh, Henry with the cornerback. So uh, Illinois last year, remember, had two line coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they've got one line coach. Right. So you've you got to divide it up some way. And there are four people in the line usually, and there are four people in the secondary. Sometimes you have two people coaching the secondary, and sometimes you have two people coaching the line. Brian Barnhart, who is a little bit younger than both of us and has a better memory, reminds me that it was Maryland who was the third Tri champion last oh year. Oh my gosh. It wasn't Iowa. It was Maryland. We huh? might have sat here and picked all day and not come up with them. <laughs> Let's go out to the phones real quick. Uh, Marty is with us down in Pinehurst. Hey, Marty. Hey, Steve. Hey, Lauren. By the way, the, the three way tie last year, you're right on two of the teams, but Iowa was fifth. Illinois was fourth. It was Maryland that tied for the yep. title. Yep, yep, we got that. Go ahead. So, anyway, uh, have you, can you do anything with the Cardinals? Steve? Well, it depends on what you want done with them. Well, I'm afraid that the front office has been kidnapped. 
in its entirety. <laughs> and that maybe ownership has is, is also been kidnapped. I'm not sure, but I'm beginning to feel that way. Well, I understand. Um, I don't know what to tell you about that. I don't see a lot of people doing a lot of things in Major League Baseball. No, no they got all these guys, a record number of people that were uh, let go, basically, not given arbitration, and a lot of them good players, and nothing's happening, which is a little frightening. Well, they, they it'll have to happen eventually because everybody's going to play. Yeah, they, they are. Accept, just, they have to accept a lot less money because there's a lot less money coming in. I was going to say, and I'm wondering if the Cardinals got hurt more than other teams because they have such large attendance compared to other teams. Well, I think that's right. I think that's and, right. And uh, they've also got that huge construction on the uh, adjacent to the to the uh, ballpark that's undoubtedly ballpark cut. village. Yeah, that that thing is, you know, it's wasted right now. It's just no, it's a, it's a lot of expense and nobody there. To, I thought maybe that, you were calling. That uh, to be profitable, does it? I thought maybe you were calling to uh, to pay praise to the Harrison Bader deal of two million dollars to not be able to hit a curveball. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know I have my feelings. I. I'm kind of hoping that maybe uh, since the Mets didn't get Springer, they'll trade Bader to the Mets and get Nemo back to play left field and throw a minor league pitcher in with it. I, I love Bader's defense, but, my God, I it frustrates me. That's all i got to say. All right, Marty. Well, we appreciate hearing from you, as always. Enjoy, guys. Enjoy. You too. Squeeze in another call here before the uh, top of the hour. Jeff is with us from Champaign. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, I wanted to turn back to golf for a second, Justin Thomas. And uh, if you'll indulge me uh, with a little uh, tongue-in-cheek, um, I'd like to address what what's happened with him. Let me tell you uh, first, I've got two minutes left. So, to... Oh, okay, I got it then. Okay. Yep, here we go. Now, what he did was he manned up and he, you know, he said, I'm sorry and, and uh, I'll do better. That's that's what he did, and as a result of that, Ralph Lauren defunded him, t- at least for the time being. So, with a little tongue in cheek, here we go. This is what he should have said. <clears throat> he said, should have approached the microphone with tears and a little anger, and he should have said, <clears throat> "I'm here to tell you that what I did today is the result of being a victim of a patriarchal society and a male-dominated sport." For years, I've been indoctrinated with machoism, and today I'm establishing a foundation to help me and other victims by asking Ralph Lauren and each of my other sponsors to see to my new foundation with $1 million each to help victims like me overcome the scars of patriarchy and to help educate and prevent others from a step from exhibiting machoism in the future. And if they don't help me with my foundation i'll consider dropping them as sponsors end quote (laughs) that probably wouldn't have gone over too well (laughs) but (laughs) well you put some thought into it at least but 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 it's it's interesting that that you know uh in today's society isn't that the way a lot of this goes yep hey jeff i appreciate the call thanks all right you bet take off here i guess you can't call yourself a name around a live, a live microphone anywhere you are. Oh, it's dangerous. Mr. Tate, appreciate it. Lauren will be back on Fighting Illini game day. That's coming up.
This is Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, have a good weekend.